You're listening to Tax Talk, a podcast series from the Irish Tax Institute, which explores current issues in the world of taxation. I'm your host, Samantha McCochran. So when the report on the Commission on Taxation and Welfare was published last September, it caused quite a stir. There had been hope that the report would lead to a reasoned debate about how future demands on the state might be financed. Instead, the Commission's far-reaching proposal to lower the tax-free threshold for inheritance taxes was plucked out of its 550 pages to become the centre of a political storm. And the proposal was quickly ruled out by then Taoiseach Michal Martin and Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue. So what are the prospects now for a reform of our tax system and is there any way around unpalatable decisions for future governments? Joining us to discuss these questions are two former politicians who served together in the Fine Gael Labour Coalition government between 2011 and 2016. Pat Rabbit, who was Minister for Communications, Energy, Natural Resources, and Lucinda Creighton, who served as Minister of State for European Affairs. Also with us is Donald de Butler, who served as Secretary to a previous commission in the early 80s and who has a lifelong interest in tax policy. You're all very welcome here for, for this podcast. So, Donald, I might just start with you just to set the scene and the background. Can you briefly just let us know what the government asked the commission to do and how do they go about their work? Um, essentially, the commission or the government asked the commission to actually take a medium to long term view of what the prospects were. For the, for the tax system over the next, say, 10 years. It wasn't for this budget or the next budget. It's, it provides a framework within which um, policy decisions will have to be taken over the, over the medium term. And was the starting point an acceptance across all the members of the Commission that there would be a need for more tax in the future? Well, that's um, everybody, anybody who looks at it knows that, that the tax level is going to have to rise. Why is that? Is uh, we have at the moment the healthiest population in Europe, mainly because we're younger. And we, more and more people are, are getting pensions. For example, the state pension, just on numbers alone, is costing a billion extra every five years. There's also, I think, greater demand for public services. We're going to have a bigger state, it seems to me. So inevitably, um, both for demographic and other reasons, the, it's, it's, the tax level is going to have to be significantly higher than it is now. So, Lucinda, starting with that premise, I don't know, do you agree with it, that we definitely need more tax revenue? Uh, are there any easy, are there ever any easy options for a government to raise more tax? Uh, very rarely. Um, you know, obviously, there's, there's always, there are always ideological factors um, and, you know, depending on the, the colour of a, of a given government, you know, they, they may or may not be more inclined to uh, raise taxes in a variety of ways. And, you know, that's part of the ongoing discussion, I suppose, um, between the government and opposition at the moment and, and I'm sure even uh, within the, the three party coalition. Um, so it's never it's never that simple, um, I suppose. Um, and look, I think I think everybody acknowledges that the nature and Donald's outlined it very well. The, the demographics of the state are changing. Um, there, there, you know, there may be a case for um, for increased revenue raising uh, on foot of that. There are other policy decisions that also have to be taken, you know, in tandem. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that, you know, around pensions and um, sort of providing for uh, a, a population that is living a lot longer and is 
uh, a lot healthier, um, but has uh, much greater demands on the health service. Um, and there's a greater expectation, of course, that, you know, medicines and and the various treatments that prolong people's lives, which is wonderful. And it's the marvel of modern medicine and science um, that that comes with the cost. And, uh, you know, increasingly, I think there's an expectation that the state meet that cost rather than individuals. So there, there, there are a lot of factors at play. Uh, and I suppose, um, you know, it gets down to how do you how do you approach this and what are the best options and uh, what are the options that, you know, don't um, don't increase the gap between rich and poor, that um, what are the options that promote social mobility? Um, what are the options that um, encourage rather than stifle enterprise and economic growth? Because, of course, without economic growth, we can increase all the taxes we want, but it's not going to be a very fruitful endeavour. And, and Pat, uh, you know, you were in government when the water cha- charges was a very hot topic. Um, and I mean, water charges are commonplace all over the world. But what made it so difficult to introduce a charge like that in Ireland? Well, I suppose it's all very well to talk about broadening the tax base and uh, shifting uh, some of the tax burden off uh, people at work. But when you set about trying to do it, uh, it meets resistance. Uh, It seemed to me that uh, the notion of a single water authority uh, enabled to go to the market to raise funds uh, to dig out a system that is decrepit and dysfunctional in many ways, tackle issues of pollution and all the rest, and to do that on the basis of the authority being able to raise a charge seemed to me the most logical thing in the world. Uh, But... uh, The row speaks for itself from recent memory and is regarded as a great victory by by some advocates. Um, I suppose, in fairness, context is necessary in that particular regard because the prescription of the Troika was hugely difficult uh, in a whole range of areas. And in that sense the water charges was kind of the last straw. Uh, I'm not sure that we would have been successful in uh, bringing in the local property tax were it not for the fact that it was being uh, collected by the revenue commissioners. Uh, There were tentative efforts to persuade the revenue commissioners to collect the water charge, but the revenue were having none of that. And in fairness, the revenue, I mean, it's a tax... uh, uh, collection system. It's it's not about collecting. I think utility. it still has that few revenue that it doesn't want mission creep, whereby it becomes a collector of all sorts of uh, new taxes. Yeah, and I think that's uh, th- that's fair enough. It's hard to argue with. Uh, with uh, you're trying to drag them into a role that is not the role of the revenue commissioners. So, I mean, in that sense, it was the last straw. Uh, you know, for a lot of people who had found themselves in. Uh, some distress after the financial collapse. Uh, And, you know, that seems to me to have been unfortunate because, you know, there there were tremendous job creation possibilities uh, because of the dysfunction and age of the system, uh, pollution of our rivers. uh, You know, there were all kinds of good arguments for creating a major utility uh, in the area of water. Uh, yeah, I'm always reminded about um, 
a Fine Gael, uh, senator, uh, speaking in the Shannon during the row, said, there are people in this house who think that water falls down from the sky. Um, I understand what he meant, but uh, it, it wasn't a big winner, you know. Not quite as simple as that. In, in addition to the, the, the changes that need more taxes um, generally, there are a couple of other bits of it. Is The corporation tax at the moment, over £20 billion is unlikely to be sustainable, so that's going to have to be replaced. And also, if we're successful in terms of the climate change objective, the taxation of motoring is going to have to change. So that's, in addition to a general upward pressure on the tax level, there's this re rebalancing of the system that's going to pr uh, result in challenges in implementation challenges. And, and in the last few days, um, I think it was good body stockbrokers were talking about, you know, all the headlines about jobs being lost in the tech se sector, but they, they were saying, look, the real issue here is if the revenue, their profitability starts to fall, and we do start to see that concern we've had for years, that corporate tax that we're enjoying might just start to slightly taper off. But there's a number of, of, of longer term factors playing into that. I, I think the corporate tax question is fascinating. And if, if, if any of you saw in the last week, the briefings that were pro provided to, to to our new Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, you know, um, obviously sounding warnings and the European Commission sounds these warnings and everybody. And it, it's logical. I mean, we, we have such an inflated level of corporate tax at the moment. But I, what I'd love to see is a forecast um, in terms of, you know, how how we anticipate this might fall. You know, it's it's amazing. In every other area, you can sort of forecast um, income tax levels and so on. But it it doesn't seem to be the case that anybody is accu accurately pre predicting. Mean, we've been saying for 10 years, jeekers, you know, um, uh, F uh, FDI and uh, corporate tax revenues are artificially high. And this, this sort of windfall can't last forever, but it seems to be lasting and enduring. Um, and I just think it'll be really interesting. And I think, you know, what's happening in the tech sector at the moment is fascinating because obviously we've seen pretty much every major player now in the last few months, um, both in the payment side and in the in the tax side, announcing job loss, losses globally. And that's part of a, a global downturn. But yet, you know, the Irish economy is still, you know, very robust and uh, corporate tax receipts from the other huge players, you know, in the chip manufacturing space, in uh, pharmaceutical, med tech is really, vi really vibrant and not showing any sign of slowdown. And obviously, most of Ireland's exports globally are in the pharmaceutical med tech space. So I'd love somebody to, I don't have the answer. I but think I it would be quite difficult to do wh what you're mm. asking. I think it would be quite difficult to do a forecast of uh, the future trajectory of corporation tax. Uh, I also think there are probably a lot of people around who don't want to probe too much. Too much, exactly. Because yeah. we are beneficiaries of the multinationals organising their affairs to cope with the OECD, mm. not just the BEPS project, but mm. uh, uh, reforms that have uh, followed on from the BEPS project. And, um, you know, we're almost accidental beneficiaries, I mm. think, to some extent. Well, exactly. I mean, the, 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 the big, big four advisory firms certainly were pr predicting a massive um, decline in corporate tax receipts uh, once BEPS was implemented. And actually, Ireland ended up being an unexpected beneficiary. So I'm interested to, Donald, hear your thoughts on that. Well, it came, I said, maybe tax that was paid in Bermuda or <laughs> tax that wasn't paid in Bermuda came here. Yeah, yeah. Donald, even if, yeah. the, if the corporate tax rate... Yeah, you know, yeah. the corporate income, I should yeah, say, yeah. stayed the same. Would we still need for, you know, for the kind of big sustainability well, measures, the, the pension, the, the, the health the, service? The real, it depends really on, on the OECD 
agreement is that uh, the large countries are t- want a bigger share of the tax level. They don't think it should be, you know, where the customers are. So it depends on if if we get to a formula base basis, it depends on what the formula is, and that's why it's difficult. It seems to me mm. to Foreseen. forecast it because we don't know what what's going to come out of that sausage machine, you know. Um, Mm. Um, that's, that's the, well, it would be a very concerning matter if the focus was on where the product is sold. That's right. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Because our consumers are limited in numbers as compared to France or Germany or whatever. Mm. So uh, it's it's uh, it's a concerning so issue. But a prudent planning assumption will be yeah. that it'll be somewhat less. Will diminish yeah. no matter the numbers. Yeah. The Department yeah. of Finance said. Two billion. Um, yeah. The briefing on, on the new minister said, if we didn't have all this, instead of a surplus of five billion, we have a deficit of five billion. Yeah. So that's the sort of ballpark we're and talking. And that's kind about. of the windfall in the yeah. last few years yeah. is approximately yeah. ten yeah. billion. So yeah. that's yeah. So so just to go back to what Pat was saying there about um, you know a, a major utility with Irish Water potentially that, the one that never happened, but you know some of the reaction to the commission's report from the uh, business bodies was well like you know do we really want the, do we trust the government to spend all the money uh, appropriately mm. you know efficiencies is a, a, an area mm. that they highlighted uh, listen what do you think of that I mean are, are, like are, if we're going to raise this tax are, is the country our business owners etc going to believe that it's the right thing to do that mm. the government can really spend our money well yeah I mean in a, in a funny way it's not even it's not even the business community. I think it's 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 the customers and the the you know the the users of of um, public services. And I think you know you don't have to look too far to to um, see the behemoth that is the HSE um, and the Department of Health and how um, the vastly increased um, uh, taxpayers' monies that have been pumped into that system in. The last number of years, really, I mean, I suppose it started in the in the in the uh, noughties and uh, dipped, obviously, during the financial crisis and has resumed a pace. And the question has to be asked, are we seeing value for money? Are we seeing the sort of reform that I think everybody agrees is necessary? If you look at the crisis in uh, Limerick Hospital and the um, clinicians um, being driven to the point uh, where they're writing to newspapers to try to highlight and bring attention to the state of our hospitals, um, you know, and the waiting lists and and so on and so forth. And obviously COVID hasn't helped with that. Um, I think that it is absolutely, it's not just right, it is essential that we um, that we scrutinise how taxpayers' monies are being spent. And we have to have public confidence in how they're being spent um, and how public services are being administered. And I don't believe that's the case at the moment. Um, so I think there's a there's a really big piece of work. And, you know, I was talking with uh, Pat about this um, um, before this podcast and we were, you know, talking about back in, um, in the the time of the Troika and the time of um, our um, the the effective um, collapse of our um, of our um, exchequer figures back in in sort of from 2008 onwards um, and the huge focus that there was at that time on trying to deliver efficiency now some of it was not 
done as well as it should be and some of it was I'm sure cack handed um, but you know at least we were talking about efficiency and reform in the delivery of public services at that time you don't hear anybody talking about it now we have a government that has been in the privileged position to be able to spend a lot um, in recent years by necessity because of COVID etc um, but also an opposition that clamours to spend even more. Um, so there's nobody at all talking about fiscal prudence anymore. Um, although I did hear Michael McGrath talking about it the other day, which was somewhat c- consoling. Encouragement. Um, but it's there, not yeah. just about fiscal prudence. It's not just about saying we, we don't want to spend. It's not that. I mean, obviously you want balanced budgets and you want, you know, you want wise investment, but it's, it's, it's literally about the systems that are in place and ensuring that people get value for money and kind of confidence in those public services because they won't be prepared to more, pay more tax uh, in any circumstance if they're not going to see, feel confidence in the system of delivery. And so how important is the political context for achieving tax reform? I mean, we would have seen, you know, in the last crash, some uh, acceptance of some measures, not all measures uh, that were brought in at the time to deal with uh, the recession. But do you need a crisis to push through a very radical change to tax or some big changes to how we uh, collect tax or what tax we bring in? I think it would be very difficult in circumstances where you bring home a surplus of five billion uh, to argue for some truly radical reform in in taxation. I think it, it would meet extraordinary resistance. I mean, Lucinda is right. People are entitled to expect value for money. Uh, but uh, the other side of that coin is that, you know, if you take uh, improvements in technology and the health sector, uh, one of one of the reasons those of us on near Zimmer frames are being <laughs> kept up straight is because of uh, expenditure in technology and the huge costs that come with that. I mean, the only thing I can recall now of Brendan Drum. Uh, who was the first chief executive of the HSE, was when he would come in occasionally to the parliamentary party and tell us that we were wrong, that hospital beds were a thing of the past and that it was come in on Thursday uh, evening and be released on Friday morning or even alternately it would be done remotely uh, and all the rest. Yet all I hear at the moment is the demand for more hospital beds, uh, areas of deficiency in the provision of services in the broad care sector. I mean, for example, in the area I'm concerned with myself at the moment of uh, protection and welfare of children, uh, we don't have enough therapeutic uh, backups. We know the controversy that is live about mental health uh, Uh, provision for adolescents and children and so on. So there is a voracious appetite out there that I don't think is all that widely understood unless you have to engage with it. And, um, you know, therefore the central finding of the uh, Commission on Taxation that uh, medium to long-term fiscal sustainability uh, is, is a huge issue. Uh, and um, it is because there are pressures coming from both ends of the field. As uh, Donald says, uh, you know, uh, an abatement of revenue from corporation tax is one thing, but then you have the demands of carbon reduction uh, on the other side. So 
you, you know, these are huge. I, I was frankly amazed uh, at the seeming dismissal uh, and dismissive attitude of government uh, to the, uh, a very seminal report that they themselves caused to be uh, created and then seeming to dismiss it in the manner that it did. I don't recall a precedent for that, I, and nor can I understand it in the sense that I can understand political parties uh, taking objection to a particular recommendation, but never to uh, a comprehensive report on the tax system. And uh, the, the public debate has been disappointing. Uh, the media interest has been disappointing. Uh, there hasn't been the kind of debate on these issues that you would expect. Would there have been more hope that the Commission report would know, I, to provoke I, more debate? I, I think the debate hasn't even started. It's really going to start when parties have to lay out their plans for the next election. The manifesto is probably late 2024 when they're going to be asked, you know, you, you won't get away with um, sort of an outright dismissal because the, the problems are clear and people are going to have to come up with answers uh, to it. And that's where and different political parties will have different approaches to it. And that's that's the stuff of politics. And that's when we're going to get an adult debate. I'm sometimes reminded that's that, very optimistic that, of you. <laughs> that, that a political decision is one that's taken when you've eliminated all the alternatives and, mm. you know, you'll be faced with we'd be faced with hard choices. Like mm. Now, some of them, um, I think, might be easier than others. For example, uh, if you put 1% on the top rate of VAT, it gives you as much money as doubling the property tax. Mm. My More guess, acceptable. I would defer to my colleagues here, but my guess is n neither are, accept are popular, but the, the VAT one will be easier. Definitely. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, when the report did come out, uh, some of the coverage, aside from the inheritance tax, uh, which got quite a, <laughs> was, was shut down quite quickly. But there was other things like, you know, uh, you know, dealing with road usage and technology, maybe to assess, you know, costs maybe related to that and then tax on processed food. They were all sort of highlighted as, you know, we're going through a cost of living crisis. How can anyone consider this? You know, we were obviously going through a COVID crisis. Even though we're financially quite doing quite well as a country, it was perceived as we are going through a very difficult time now. How could there be any consideration of extra taxes? So I'm just thinking, when will be the good time? We, you know, we seem to be going from one crisis to another. So when will be the time for any political party to, to look at this and think it's an acceptable time? Um, well, I think uh, Pat, Pat was right in saying that, um, you know, there isn't an appetite for sort of whole scale tax reform. And I learned that in a previous incarnation. Um, um, I think uh, it, it, the, 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 the process of Irish politics is incremental by its nature, unless you have a really stark crisis event, um, which, you know, could have happened in the context of the war in, in Ukraine. Um it hasn't really. Um, yes, we have um, we have uh, uh, cost of living issues. Yes, we have um, had an experience and continue to experience significant significant increases in energy costs, food price, etc., which does have an impact. But it's perhaps not dramatic enough to force, 
you know, a real rethink. And I don't expect that. And I think partly because of the boy, the cushion that we have with our corporate tax receipts, I don't think that a government, my opinion is in the in the coming, you know, four or five years, certainly I don't see a point where a government is sort of put to the pin of their collar where they're going to have to make really difficult choices. I think it will be incremental. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately, the nature of our political system is that it doesn't think long term. It just doesn't. It thinks, generally speaking, Day to day, week to week, month to month, budget to budget, and maybe election to election. But the expectations of your citizens as well uh, uh, have changed beyond all recognition. You know, uh, we built more than a quarter of the housing stock during the years of the Celtic Tiger. uh, And now we find that they're defective. And it's just taken as normal that we pick up the tab Uh, along the west coast Mm. Uh, now we find that the apartments are similarly or differently defective Uh, none of those guys are in jail uh, which seems to me to be the the real test of a a functioning society in this regard Um, and uh, there is a dispute between the politicians about where the cap should be fixed Uh, 100% liability Mm. to the state and the guys who yeah. availed of limited liability yeah. status uh, are functioning in London yeah. or Liverpool or or wherever. I mean, uh, the expectation that is out there today uh, in terms of a government, any government, meeting it uh, doesn't augur well mm. uh, for for tax reform. Yeah, I think I think uh, I've never agreed so much with you, Pat, as I as I am today. But uh, no, I agree. I, look, I think um, I think as well. You know, it's a question of accountability, and uh, I think accountability is in short supply um, across the board in both public and private sector uh, um, in this country. And that has, but it's actually I think people are so ground down by that especially in the aftermath of the financial crisis and the sort of reckless behaviour that led us to that point in some uh, circles. Um, I, I, and, and I mean, accountability when it comes to the delivery of capital progr- programmes in this country. I mean, the Ch- National Children's Hospital, you can go back to the Lewis, um, to any major infrastructure programme. They're never delivered on time or on budget ever in this country. And I think the public have become so disillusioned with the process, they've actually just sort of given up on it. And nobody even expects or demands accountability now um, in our process. Um, and interesting, we talked about the HSC and Pat made excellent points about digitization. I mean, this is where other European countries are way ahead of us. And let's not kid ourselves. Our, the head of the digitization program in the HSC uh, resigned dramatically with a, a very colourful LinkedIn post and a hasta la vista a couple of weeks ago. You know, that to me is so depressing. You know, the fact that so, you know, yes, we're talking about revenue raising, but it has to be in the context of of these other systemic problems in the state. And, uh, you know, the the sort of just acceptance um, uh, that we just we don't demand accountability. There's an interesting um, point in the tax commission report hasn't got much attention, which is that income rather than age should determine tax liability. at the moment, for example, a single person on 50,000 who's my age pays 3,000 less tax than somebody younger. That's a lot. 3,000 on 50,000 is a Absolutely. lot. Now, we haven't been able politically to 
to address the problem of the pensions issue by raising the state pension age. There's political consensus that that has to stay at 66. Now, that has to be paid for. And I suppose the interesting question is maybe the people who should pay for that are the people who are benefiting from these pensions that they, mm. you know, that's... But that's a, you know, we found that when the, the medical card issue, um, when was it? 2010, I think. Yeah, um, before we went into government. Uh, yeah. But that, 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 to my mind, would be a very interesting one to watch, mm. just how yeah. that challenge is, yeah, is yeah. faced. I think it, Pat mentioned earlier that context is important in any of these sort of potentially controversial mm. uh, measures. I think communication is very important as well. And I think on the water charges in particular, the communication was really poor um, um, by that that government at the time. Um, and uh, I think around the pension issue, um, when there was an, a, an effort, uh, and I wholeheartedly support, and I know I will be working a lot longer, um, but I wholeheartedly support an increase in the, in the pension age. I mean, we cannot expect to live longer and benefit from the marvellous changes in our um, in in um, medicines and therapeutics available to us if we're if we don't accept that it has to be paid for and everybody has to contribute to that including people um, who are living longer so I I just think um, th- that's a, that is a debate that will have to be reopened it can't be left there and just politicians bury their head in their sa- in the sand well look just a, a last question for all three of you um what are the chances of this report not gathering dust and some action on it? You know, do we think politicians or some politicians in the medium term will act on it? And do we think the public is in any way going to accept this? Or, you know, is there an acceptance that better public services and higher taxes maybe go hand in hand? So those two things, do we think that there's going to be action on this report at some stage? Well, I, 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 think, I think the... The merit of the report, you know, is so obvious that it will become the Bible. How much of it will be implemented is a different question. Uh, But, I mean, it's all between the two covers, pretty much. And, uh, you know, uh, it seems to me people have come to, for example, accept the USC. Uh, That would have been unthinkable. Uh, in the immediate wake of the crash, that it would become a permanent feature uh, of the architecture of uh, taxation. But it it pretty much has. And I think you see a complacency. The the corporate tax receipts, third largest tax head, I think now, uh, the the, uh, corporation tax receipts have been so bountiful that they have encouraged... uh, a mood of complacency. I mean, people who might not follow the ins and outs of the taxation debate in too much detail, uh, uh, I'm sure it'll be all right on the night. There will be monies found down the back of the sofa and Pascal's dimples uh, will, uh, you know, uh, be uh, shone upon us and everything will be will be fine. And that complacency <laughs> is there. But, uh, you know, um, we learn from the crash that it can change as quickly uh, as as it has uh, blossomed. And, uh, you know, in those circumstances, no, I think I think the report has great merit. 
you know, and and will be there, and those who guide the hand of government uh, on it will seek to incrementally make progress on it. And notwithstanding what I've said earlier, and notwithstanding the uh, measure of agreement between Lucinda and myself, of which I think I stand to lose the more, uh, um, I, I think uh, th- there will be significant progress in implementing it. And Lucinda, yourself? I'm not sure how to take that, Pat. Um, um, yeah, I mean, uh, so I think I think it's funny, in a, in a sense, the, the report inevitably will gather dust because that's the nature of these things. I recall um, as we were uh, drafting policies for the 2016 general election, we were referring back to Donald's commission in the 1980s. So, you know, like these are these are seminal pieces of work. I think there's some stuff in the in the commission's report that's absolutely crazy um, and uh, you know I come from a different perspective and that's fine and there are aspects of it that um, I'm sure are meritorious Um, I think uh, but I think there's such complacency at the moment we're certainly not going to see any swift implementation but it's it's the sort of thing that will be dug out by political parties to justify things they want to do and it'll be referred back to and it'll be a little bit of an a la carte menu I think in terms of what will be adopted and what will be promoted um, by different political parties at different times um, and we'll probably be talking about it in in five ten years time I would imagine and Donald gathering dust or maybe would you be happy if a few uh, measures you know, were, you know, it, it won't all be implemented never actually no. shouldn't there's some things I wouldn't mm. personally endorse myself sure. but that's uh, but it it's, it really sets out the options you, you don't have to do them all and I think um, but it really sets out very well what the what the choices will be it seems to me and um those choices are going to have to be made and if people don't want that if people don't want the the, the tax burden going up the the other option is um to cut public expenditure and that's even more difficult it seems to me and not i'm not saying it's desirable but it's much more yeah. you know we have to put some we, we have to a give some choice either way it's, yeah yeah that's that's the nature of life you know that's that's the way it is Okay, well, on that note, we leave it there. Thank you very much, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Tax Talk. Thank you. Thank you.